Uh, there was nothing else at all in the whole world but football. Hi guys, this is the Triple F with another episode of Under the Floodlights. This episode will be focusing on one of the most iconic and prolific England players of all time, Jimmy Greaves. I'm joined by lifelong Tottenham Hotspur fan Les Wildman to talk about the Spurs and England legend. We look at Greavesy's greatest achievements, his biggest regrets and the closest comparisons to other modern contemporary footballers. Please join us now as Jimmy Greaves goes under the floodlights. Yeah, we're obviously going to be talking about Jimmy Greaves. Is he the greatest ever Spurs player in your opinion? Well, it's not really as simple as that, is it? Because I've not seen everybody that has played for Spurs, obviously. Um, Bill Nicholson always said that Ron Burgess, who was the captain of their 51 championship side, was the greatest ever Spurs player. Or he'd be first on his team sheet. And he also and obviously managed Greaves and Dave Mackay. Greaves always says Dave Mackay was the greatest Spurs player of all time. But... The uniqueness of Jimmy Greaves, in my opinion, is a simple thing. that He was the bloke who could put the ball in the net more often than anybody else who's played the game in this country. And I think that's enough, isn't it, really? You know, you can... I don't think you can compare players of today to players of yesterday. Though I'm probably going to. It's... It's a different game. So I think all you can really do is talk about how good someone was at that time. And he was no doubt the the player in terms of putting the ball in the net. Um, Roy Keane was saying the other week on uh, the Euros, the key, the key thing is putting the ball in the net. And I think if Roy's prepared to uh, diminish his own part in any team... <laughs> By saying that, perhaps we should listen to him. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, what, yeah. what type of player do you think he was then? If you know, if you if you talk about that, that he was he had this ability to sort of put the ball in in the back of the net. What made him so good at being able to do that? Do you think? Well, I think I think actually it's a combination of things that you rarely see. I mean, the, the, I think. Uh, just to sort of place this in context, and I think you're probably going to come back to this question later on, but if you look at someone like Aguero, pre the Aguero of the last few years, where mainly his role was putting the ball in the net, that was Greaves' role. People used to say, well, he doesn't do a lot else in the game, but if you're putting the ball in, if, if you're putting the ball in the net more often than anybody else is putting the ball in the net, I think you've got to ask what else you want. I mean, there were games where he would run around like a headless chicken, particularly against Chelsea, but that but that didn't seem to work as well. His genius, if you want to tell it, and I think it's an overused word, but his genius in football terms was just being there at that moment and scoring the goal. And if you look... Everybody can look go on YouTube. Look at the 1963 Cup Winners' Cup final against Atletico Madrid. You'll see he scores two goals there from about 10 yards. 
and he just taps them in. People say, oh, he used to just tap in. Yeah, it is a tap in, but the ball's travelled 40 yards and he's got on the end of it and you know, a pitch that leaves a lot to be desired and just taps it in on the volley. You know, um, <laughs> I suppose what player was he? He made everything look simple, but clearly it isn't. And as we see time and time again, people will pay a fortune for a goal scorer. If he was playing now, he would, in my opinion, be the most expensive player in this country. Yeah. Um, he relied on, I mean, he relied on a whole set of really, um, you know, exceptional skills. He had pace, he was a good dribbler, he had this amazing anticipation, he just, and he just knew that uncanny thing of, he knew where the goal was. Um, but also what you have to take into account the context of the game then and now, um, and I say you can't compare players probably because of the difference in conditions, everything else. But when he got the ball, he always had to move quickly because somebody would be kicking him. You know, the tackle, the tackling that he would be subjected to these days would be a straight red card. A very, at the very least, it would be a yellow card. And that would be what he would be subjected to throughout the game. Makes a lot of difference, you know, in terms of how you have to play the game. Yeah, you know, so you have to be clever. You know, you'd be you'd be forever injured if um, if you didn't have that sort of sixth sense of how to get the ball and move quickly with it. So, you know, I mean, I, I I I'm in danger. I know sometimes when I talk about Greaves, and I'm sure there are older Spurs fans who would would agree on this. There is a danger of pretending or almost giving the impression that you think he never missed. Of course he did. <laughs> you can go on YouTube, you can think, God, look at that miss. But he missed less than anybody else, if <laughs> you see what I mean. So you have to, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting that we're talking about a guy that never ever missed, but all the great strikers, like I mean, Ian Rush said that Greece was the greatest goal scorer of all time. And I think if Ian Rush said that, it would be, in my opinion, pretty much the main challenger to him as a goal scorer. Mm. Um, I, I don't think you can go much better than that, can you, in terms of sort of a positive um, rap, really. Mm. Do you think to, to be one of the greatest goal scorers of all time that sort of composure and level headedness was one of those top attributes as well because I, I was seeing a documentary um, and they said that he was perhaps one of the most cool headed players of all time just because he never really let the occasion get to him yeah I think that's I think that's that's a, a key element I mean the the Greaves documentary which has been shown in the last few years is a classic example of of the special qualities. I mean, he's, I, th I think I'm right in saying that every single level that he played at, his first game he scored. I think, I mean, I, I saw, I actually saw his debut for Chelsea. It was at Spurs in 1957. I think he was 17 then. And of course, he scored. Unfortunately, it was for Chelsea against Spurs, but, you know, I, I can at least say I saw his first ever goal in the league. But I think he'd scored at every level, like 
or the schoolboy international youth level on his debut. And I remember, I mean, just to place this in the context, the 62 Cup final, one of the big buzzes before the game was, will he score in his first Cup final? Well, of course, he kept us waiting four minutes before he scored. You know, and that's that shows that on the big occasion, he could do it. <laughs> you know, you can't, I don't think you can argue with a guy who scores, you know, at every level. I think, I think sadly, and this is why I decided to talk about him today. The, the thing about the 66 World Cup, almost it's sort of, people almost talk as though that sort of in some way diminishes him. I don't think you can say it does. He wasn't, he, he wasn't dropped, he was injured and he couldn't get back in the team. Now, Ramsey was obviously proved right because he won the trophy. So you can't criticise him for that. But it doesn't mean to say that in some way it diminishes Greaves, because I think we'd have won the World Cup if Greaves had played. So, you know, it's... But then again, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was going to get to that question, but I suppose we, we can just talk about it now. But, I mean, had he been fit for those knockout stages of 66, do you still think that England would have would have won anyway? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think if you and, and this is this places him and this is a positive about other players as well. Roger Hunt was an absolutely outstanding player for Liverpool. Absolutely outstanding. I think if you were to talk to Liverpool fans of my age, they'd say, you know, he was one of the greatest ever. I mean, I saw him play for Liverpool on a number of occasions against us. He was an absolute top player. Jeff Hurst was a top player and obviously has the you know, the ultimate accolade, he scored, you know, the hat-trick in the final. But, you know, Hunt was a terrific player, but he wasn't as good as Greaves. Not a lot of difference, but he wasn't quite as good as Greaves, in my opinion. Now, obviously, I'm sure there would be scouts screaming at the screen if they were watching, saying, you're talking rubbish. But I'm really saying, you know, there's something really positive about Hunt. But if Greaves had played rather than Hunt or if Greaves had played rather than Hurst, I still think we would have won it. I think he, you know, he hadn't he hadn't scored for three games. That was unusual. <laughs> I mean, it's um, you know, when you look at his record, his record is extraordinary. Um, I mean, if you if you want to place it into a context of, of how good he was. I looked this up. I don't, I'm not such a nerd that I know this off the top of my head, so I had to look it up. I did, did kind of know it. I think he played for Chelsea for four seasons and he scored 124 goals in 157 appearances in the first division. Now, if you look it up, and I did, in those four years, Chelsea never finished more than higher than halfway. And in one of the seasons, they ended up, I think, fourth or fifth from bottom. And yet he's scoring 128 goals. That's an extraordinary. His final season there, I'm just without getting too, uh, <laughs> too much of a nerd, 40 games, 41 goals. You know, it's a goal a game in a side that ended up halfway up the table. So he obviously carried them. And I think his final game before he went off to Milan, if I remember rightly, he was carried shoulder high by fans from the field. 
So that shows what a massive part he was at that team, you know. So, but you, that to me is, is it probably the the bit that I kind of feel has got lost <clears throat> over the years. People keep talking about um, catching Harry Harry Kane catching his record up. I'm not in any way knocking Harry. Love Harry. Please don't go, Harry. But you can't get away from the fact. He may overtake him. People forget about the 128 goals he scored <laughs> for Chelsea. You know, it's that. It's, it's, I think for fans of my age, and you, you think of Gary Lineker making this point a lot, you know, sometimes you, you get the impression that Sky invented football in 1990. And uh, prior to that, there was no game. And it starts with, with Alan Shearer. When you look at, again, I know I'm being a nerd, Shearer, 283 goals in the top fight, 559 appearances. Greaves, 366 goals in 528 appearances. So in less games, he scored roughly 80 more. It's a tremendous record when you think how good Alan Shearer is. It's not in any way diminishing players like Shearer. It's just placing Greaves into a context. Now, I know people will say, yeah, but Shearer added more than Greaves did to the team. And you could say, make the same argument about Kane. Of course you could. But the tough bit, he was the best at, you know. So mm. here we are. If you're interested in coming on the show for an Under the Floodlight special to talk about your favourite player or manager, please email the thetriplef2021 at gmail.com or DM the thetriplef84 on Twitter. All contact details will be in the episode description. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F. I know um, you said before it's difficult to, to make these comparisons and I kind of agree in a way because obviously different eras were completely completely different to, to the football that we have now, especially back in the, the 60s and whatnot. It was just a, a completely different class of football. Um, it was just different. It was, it's not to say that one was worse or one was better. It's just, no. it's no. almost impossible to put them side to side. But as this is a football podcast, <laughs> we will yeah. attempt to do it anyway. Um, but I mean, the, the closest comparison to players playing right now or, or ones that have played within the last 20 years or so, uh, who, who would you sort of come up with? Well, you you clearly, you're looking at Aguero, Salah, those kind of players on top form who are good at putting the ball in the net. Obviously, Harry Kane, though Harry's developed his game differently in the last couple of years, but it's that, it's that, it's that kind of player, the person who you can... you. You expect to score so many um, goals a season, and if you if you think about you know top players in in world football, the word great is overused. It's all right if you if you sort of qualify in some way. So you can talk about, for instance, I don't know, Gary Mabbott, a Spurs great maybe. But I don't think Gary, who's a, a top bloke, would, take, would want to suggest that he's an all-time great. An all-time great is Messi, Ronaldo, Pele, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's all right to qualify, you know, by club or by country or 
era or whatever. I think the thing is, nobody could argue Jimmy Greaves is an all-time great. And you probably make that, I'm sure Man City fans will make that argument about Aguero, etc. They're the kind of, but that's the level we're at, you know, that real top level. I don't think you would... These pomp, I mean, to place this into context, I think if a peak, peak form, peak era Messi and a peak era Jimmy Greaves were available, some teams would probably, amazingly enough, in this country, I'm sure not in Spain or something like that, would think, which of the two would we want? And I think it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to in any way diminish players like that or get too carried away. But if your team desperately needed a bloke just to score the goals, you might think your money would be better spent on one than the other. Now, I'm putting that up at a really very high level, but I don't think I'm delusional in doing that. You know, I think uh, I think most people would think that's a reasonable sort of comparison, you know, um, players at that level, you know, they're great. I think if you were to ask me, so, you know, in the history of English football, who's the best English player of all time at international level, I think Bobby Moore, clearly. Bobby Charlton is probably, you know, sadly, I think has dementia, but he's probably the greatest living English footballer all round, but certainly the greatest goal scorer in our game, and he's still alive, but in a bad way, I understand, is Greaves. Um, I'm trying to think of... My, I, I mean... If he, I, I, I hate to say this as a Spurs fan, but I rate about Yang. I think he's a very good player. He's not a similar, you know, he's primarily a goal scorer. He relies more on sheer pace, I would say. So he's not a comparison. They're not comparative in that sense. But of course, again, it's the, the bottom line is they finish. They put the ball in the net, and I suppose he's another one that you would have to include in that sort of group of, of goal scorers. Someone like Lewandowski, perhaps? I mean, is a player that well, I mean, doesn't... Yeah. Someone that more or less, you know, he, he puts the ball away. I think that's his top sort of attribute, and that's the the thing that, you know, catches yeah. people up, people's eyes. But that he has a bit more to him than just that as well. And, and I get that sense from Greavesy that he's not just a fox in the box. He's not, he, you know, he can sort of link the ball and he, he does, you know, he's got a bit of pace about him as well. Uh, and yeah. Lewandowski, I think you can kind of say the similar things about him. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he, he, the other, the other guy um, that comes to mind, I mean, Lewandowski is again a more, sort of old-style centre-forward type player, a little bit more, whatever that means, old-style. But, um, but I mean, Suarez, you know, for that short period at, um, comparatively short period at Liverpool, was another guy of a similar um, ilk, uh, probably without the more negative aspects of Suarez. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. you know, but um, 
you know, it wouldn't he, leave he, chunks in people's shoulders then. <laughs> no, no, I don't think. Uh, he, even though, um, sadly, he had his own problems to me, I don't think on the field anyone ever thought, thought anything negative about him. You know, he was uh, he was a, a very genial sort of guy. You know, he certainly was. He certainly didn't bite anyone or, or anything <laughs> of that nature. <laughs> he might have been bitten a few times himself, I suspect. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, yeah, Lewandowski, all those guys, you see, I think that's the thing. Those real top players, it's very, um, it's always hard to, to, to understand why they are better than other players of a similar ilk. And I think it is that natural ability to finish, isn't it? You know, that's, that makes them, you know, I mean, you look at Ronaldo, Messi, all these guys, you think, what is it about them that makes them so special? Um, it's just something. It's, I don't think you can really. I don't think you can coach that. You can make players better, but it's got to come from within the player themselves. And we are talking at the real elite level here. I think. So, I mean, was it usual for for British players to go abroad back then and, and sort of test themselves? Well. Goodness, I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you're um, giving me a chance to eulogise all around here. Um, I think a guy called Tony Marchi, who also played for Spurs, but was of Italian extraction, he was a very good player. He went to Italy, but I don't think he was a massive success. And I think there have been a couple of others. But of course, the reason, well, there was a number of reasons why Greece went at that time, because the um, maximum wage was still in um uh, in force at that time. And of course, what happened, ironically, as soon as Greece went, they abolished it, which is why he was keen to come back because he didn't like Italy very much or didn't like the, the regime under which they played. But the big the big star player had been there um, was a guy called John Charles. Now, John Charles, sorry, I think I might have said Charles, but John Charles. <clears throat> now, Charles was a ma magnificent player. I was lucky enough to see him First game I ever went to at Spurs, he was playing for Leeds. And to show how good a player he was, he's largely forgotten. When they talk about great British players, I'm sure Leeds fans and some Welsh fans will, you know, certainly agree with what I'm saying. But he's a, a forgotten player, really. But sure, Juventus fans well as well. Well, yeah, Juventus fans as well, yeah. I was talking about in this country because I think he's... I think he's I think he's more highly rated in Italy than he you know, historically than he was here. But when you think about a player who the only argument was not about whether he was best Britain's best player at the time, but he was whether he was the better at centre back than he was centre half, as they were going, centre back or at centre forward. Now what a you know, what an amazing thing that that was the discussion. What was his best position? Because everyone agreed he was the best centre-half in this country. He was also the best centre-forward in this country. So he went off to Italy, to, Ju to Juve. I think they played entirely as a centre-forward. It was a massive success. And I think maybe that might have been also encouragement for someone like Greece. Greece probably looked at it and thought, this guy's a great player. I'm a great player. Perhaps I'll be a massive success. He didn't, he didn't like the discipline, that's quite clear. You know, I think he's, he didn't like his drinking and smoking either, which I think is particularly 
particularly weird these days when you see to apply that good he's having a fag just seems really strange but that's the way it was you know yeah yeah it was a given thing back then wasn't it just smoking and yeah. beer and you know up, up, yeah. until, up until the 80s even it was you know, nobody sort of batted an eyelid at it no no it's a, it's an interesting um little sideline really the drinking car i mean you you know you, as a as a arsenal fan you you're the, the arsenal drinking tiles are legendary and actually really amusing you know I, um <laughs> just uh, uh so some of that stuff is just um it, it's so so amusing it's almost like it can't be true <laughs> but it is you know <laughs> went over the line sometimes <laughs> shall we say but <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's a, it's a different culture to the one that Wenger in, imported with him you know and of course everybody has followed since then yeah yeah they say Wenger ruined that culture then shall we say <laughs> well, yeah I don't know whether he ruined it he certainly changed it didn't he So, yeah, it was a shame that he sort of struggled at AC Milan because, you know, like you say, great players and, and AC Milan being a historic great club. Yeah, it seems on paper that it would have been a great a great sort of match. But yeah. like you say, if, if he just wasn't a fan of that discipline and wasn't a fan of that sort of strict regime, then, yeah, it would probably really only going to go totally one un, way. He was, totally un, he was totally unsuitable for that kind of regime, clearly. You know, he's clearly a man that was used to drinking and smoking. I mean, he's failed in Italy. I think, actually, he, he played 12 games and scored nine goals. So it wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a complete failure in, you know. I think, if, um, I think if any player in the Premiership at the moment was to score, some, you know, 75% of games, we'd be pretty happy, really, you know. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't for him and it was fairly obvious. And I think... I think Spurs. I, I I don't think the uh, the rules allowed players to be tapped up by by they didn't have agents in the same way. But I think I think Jim. I think Bill Nicholson had already had some conversations with Greaves previously, and of course he was really he was the absolute cherry on the Spurs cake at that time. You know, had won the double. You know, I mean, if you. Again, to, to sort of show how good Greece was, Les Allen playing the double side was a very, very good player. These days, would have probably played for England a number of times. But of course, in those days, internationals were more rare. And Allen was really unfortunate that he got pushed out because Greece was a, an upgrade. But it's... <laughs> It doesn't mean to say that the guy the guy he replaced wasn't a very, very good player, but that's how good he was, you know. So yeah. Um the, the Italian thing is quite interesting, isn't it, around that time, you know, because when you look at it, some very good players have gone from this country, like Ian Rush. I think Rush famously said something about the trouble with Italy is this is a foreign country. 
I might be misquoting that slightly, but <laughs> it's the kind of spirit of, you know, the uh, the uh, Welshman abroad, really, I suppose. Yeah. It's, a, it's a strange thing, actually, you think about British players that played abroad, because I think, you know, obviously Greaves and, and John Charles were a great example of it back in the day, but then there was a period from the 80s and the 90s where we saw it all the time, but then from the late 90s, 2000s, and only really up until recently with the likes of Sancho and whatnot playing abroad, it, it was weird how you had that almost 10, 15 year period where British players just didn't go abroad. I, I wonder why that was, but it's, you know, maybe you just need that John Charles, you need that Jaden Sancho just to sort of set the example, set the 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 sort of um, the touch paper to say, look, we can do it. So yeah. perhaps that's, yeah. that's how it's done. I, I, th- I think it's partly to do with the fact that British players that have gone have been, have been, have been very good players. You know, you Trevor Francis, um, Kevin Keegan, those guys. Chris Waddle. Top players. Chris Waddle, yeah. Hodden went to Marseille. Mm. I think the only one that I could... I, I think Sunes was did all right in Italy. Um, Sampdoria, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Keegan was probably the biggest success in lots of ways. Yeah. Well, but, you know, and players like Tony Woodcock went. We are talking the real top players who have gone, but it's not, they've not probably ripped up, you know, tore, the, tore things up in the same way as we might have expected, given their level of uh, talent, you know. So perhaps that's why players still haven't been prepared to go. I think what now you see is because of this massive squad thing that we have here, where teams are carrying almost like two teams, that I think some of the younger talent thinks, thinks I'd be better going to Germany or something like that, establishing myself and then coming back, as Sancho is, is probably about to do what appears, you know, almost certain to do so. Yeah. It is a, it's a different thing, isn't it? It's, it's moved on. Um, it's, it's really only the, um, the younger players that are doing that. We're still not seeing that many um, uh, British players going abroad, are we? Not a massive amount anyway, so you'll have to see. That's why, for me, Kieran Trippier deserved a, a, um, a lot of applause yeah. from me personally. I, you know, the decision to go to Atletico, Atletico Madrid, and and he's, you know, he's done fantastic as well. I think he was a big component yeah. to them winning La Liga last season. So, yeah, I think you know the the fact that he's done it well and he's succeeded at it shows that you know it's it's something that I hope from now on a lot of English players will look at that and see that as a good example. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you you are almost um, dragging me into a rant um, about trivia. If, if you had to say, ask me what was Pochettino's worst decision, it was to let Trippier go. I mean, I understand they let Walker go because they had both. And I think Walker was 50 mil, 50 million, wasn't he? Um, but I just, also Spurs fans have to put their hands up, I think. The season after the World Cup, he clearly was playing hurt. He, you could see every game he was hobbling, 
And he, I think he subsequently said he played when he shouldn't have played. But the crowd were on his back because, you know, obviously they'd seen him in the World Cup and suddenly their, their expectations had risen. Um, in my opinion, he was a better player than Walker because his use of the ball was better. Um, I know obviously he doesn't have that terrifying pace that Walker's got, you know, which Walker now seems to use better defensively than he did when he was at Spurs. Um, but I just can't believe that Spurs thought it was a good idea to get rid of Trippier and get in Uria instead, you know. I mean, mm. it's, um, <laughs> it's to me, if, um, if ever I have any doubts about Pochettino, uh, they're all encapsulated in that one transfer. And <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah. just go, going back to Greavesy, because um, I, I see here that obviously after he, he left Spurs, he went to West Ham and he, he had a season there and a fairly decent season. But um, after West Ham, was it a massive sort of injury that he suffered and put him out for no, a few years? No, no, it was his drink. It was drink dependency, alcohol. He, he was, you know, alcohol dependent, you know. Um, he was... Um, what age was that? Then? Well, it would be... If, if you're talking, he's born 1940, so I think it was by the late 60s. He was he, he clearly was drinking, you know, we didn't know that, of course, but he was clearly, you know, w- w- drinking a lot. I mean, he, I remember an interview with him, and I think this says something about, we're talking about the culture again that changed. He said that the Spurs team, you know, uh, which is in my opinion, a great team, full of world-class players, you know, like well, at least four or five world-class players and very good players. Their whole culture was about drinking. They all went drinking together. That was the culture. Um, you know, the, he pointed out that Danny Blanchard was the captain. Now, Danny Blanchard, I think, is the thinking man's footballer of all time. You know, he was a very intellectual kind of guy who went on to be a journalist and you know, he, he sort of really deep thinker about the game. Um, according to Greaves, he was like the um, one of the leaders in the drinking. You know, they, he, he, as Greaves said, even Danny was up for a good drink, you know, and I think that's what they did. So obviously, inevitably, I think in that culture, there are going to be a few casualties and, and clearly... Um, Jimmy was one of them. Now, I know a lot of people put that down to the disappointment of the 66 World Cup. And, you know, we, I, I, I think that's, um, there are a bit of psycho babble, really. You know, we don't know that that was the reason that he fell into sort of heavy drinking, but um, very sad. And obviously that affected his later career to a degree, you know, um, because he obviously loved the game because he came back out of retirement and played non-league football. Mm. So um, about four years later. So if he was prepared to sort of play at that level, I mean, I know he was playing for Barnet and who were the other teams about? Chelsea City and Woodford Town. I mean, Redwood as well. Time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were prepared to play at that level, you must really still have liked the game. So it's a bit of a tragedy in that sense, but I think you have to be sort of balanced. It's no, you know, uh, as I say, I, I get very annoyed that um, 
when people are, you know, they focus on the 66 World Cup, they focus on his drinking, because he had a very successful TV career after that, as you, I'm sure you know. Um, he hit St. Greaves, he really was the um, forerunner of most of the um, football chat shows that we, we watch now. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, so he, I, I just think we, we have no way of knowing what, what, you know, causes someone to get into that situation. But um, he, he came through it and, um, you know, fair play to him because a lot of people don't. So um, well, well done, I think, is the, uh, you know, in lots of ways. And yeah, I, don't, I don't know, when we, when we look back over that, over his career, that's probably one of the reasons that, you know, what some of my comments earlier, I think we, we shouldn't be focusing on what he didn't do. What we should focus on is the fact that he's the highest goal scorer at top level in English football by some way. And what more can you really you know, say about someone? It's enough, isn't it? If you like football films, then come check out the Triple F Cinema, where I'm joined by guests, sometimes football fans, sometimes not, to review a specific football film. Give me two tickets to that football film right now. It's a shame that he never received a knighthood. Well, shame. It depends on whether you like the honour system. I mean, I'm I'm not really a great fan, um, but because I think you know, sometimes the people who, well, hopefully we might see a change. There's a lot of people working in the NHS and God knows what else who probably deserve knighthoods, and I hope they get them. But um, I think it's an outrage that Greaves didn't get one. You know, I mean, you look at. Cricket, you know, some very good cricketers have got knighthoods. I'm not knocking those guys, but their contribution to the game isn't any Grace and Greaves' contribution. I think if you if you look at it, I think he and Ron Flowers were the last two of the 66 squad to get an honour. And I think, as Greaves' son said, it's a bit too late, really, for him to, you know, they're delighted, but, you know, the guy's in a wheelchair, he's 81. Um, I think it's sad that that's the best we could do for him. I mean, I don't. I'd, had he had he um, uh, disintegrated into a you know a sort of lifestyle of you know drinking and you know etc cetera, etc. Cetera, that's had been his long term fate. Um, I, I'm I, I might say it's down to sort of moralising by certain people, but I think when you look at the fact that he turned his life around and a very successful career in TV um, and his football record, I think it's a bit of an outrage that he didn't get a knighthood. But, um, you know, you could say the same about Bobby Moore as well. And I think, you know, football's been badly treated in the honour system, you know. Um, I'm sure Owen Morgan will get a knighthood. Um, as a Middlesex, as a Middlesex supporter, I actually uh, um, think that that's uh, that, that kind of uh, says everything 
the cricketer will get a nicer, but football players don't, you know. Mm. <laughs> so. But I think you alluded to his health status at the moment. It's it's not the greatest, is it? I think. No, it's not. No, and I think, I think it's a, I think it's a great shame. Just on the honest thing, it, that at two levels, I think within the game, when we listen to you know the, the coverage on Sky, I think we only Gary Lineker really keeps poking away at this. The rest of them just carry on. Um, you know, I think. You know, when you look at the, a, his status in the game, which I don't think is as great as it should be, but also you know the the absence until recently of any kind of formal recognition, I think that's very sad, and I'm sure must hurt him a little bit. I mean, you, you'd have to be a very special individual when you're watching you know the the, the matches on TV, and I'm assuming he probably does watch them. And you hear people always talking about, you know, Shearer, the highest goal scorer in the Premier League, in Premier League history. There must be a lot of young fans who, who assume that Shearer is the all-time greatest goal scorer or mm. scored the most. You know, um, so I'm sure you might forgive Jim if he's there shouting at the uh, TV, what about me? You know? <laughs> um, perhaps he doesn't do that, but if I was him, I would be. <laughs> Just a final point, actually, if I could. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, you've got, you've only, these players from this era, there's only a few left. Like, I think there's about five of the Spurs double team that are still alive or in that squad. Um, I mean, obviously, Greaves came the year after. There's a few of these players left, and I think it's across the board. It's a shame that maybe they're, their contribution to British football is forgotten. You know, I'm sure there are, you know, a number of players who are outstanding players in the six. Not, I'm not just talking about Spurs players, but I mean, an example, I'll pick out a Spurs favourite of mine, Cliff Jones, arguably the bravest player that's ever played the game. Um, I would say that I'm a Spurs fan, but I could eulogise for ages about... Um, uh, um, Jones and his, you know, the kind of tackling he received and everything else. And I think it's a shame that somehow Sky in particular have managed to create this whole idea that somehow that football wasn't the same as the football. Yes, it's different, but it was still trying, you know, in the 60s, before I think the hooliganism thing hurt football for a period. Unfortunately, it's that's... It's, it's still around, but it's it's been, as we saw at Wembley the other week, but all Caesar Stadium have, have helped that. But in the 60s, football was the working man's game, wasn't it? People could go, everybody, most people could afford to go to football there. It's not a cheap hobby now. You see, I say as an old age pensioner, but uh, that doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean a lot, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I, th I think it's, I think it's a great shame that some of those players who are now very old don't really get the recognition that they deserve, you know. Um, but then again, I'm an old bloke myself, so what do you expect? <laughs> All right, Simon, thanks a lot. Yes, yeah, no, thanks, mate. Okay. Yeah, take care now. Yeah, and you. Stay safe. Stay safe. Cheers, mate. Bye. Mate, bye-bye.
Thank you so much for listening to the Triple F. If you could please drop a like on our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitter, that would be massively appreciated. Hope you're all keeping safe, and thanks again for listening to the Triple F. <laughs>